0: About six six weeks weeks ago, ago, we started started this this season of of Lent Lent. on On Ash Wednesday Wednesday, out there in the the narthex with With kind of an important question 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 that we were trying trying to answer. answer. And that question was, what is the significance of God's loving sacrifice? And now as we come to the end of this Lenten journey of following Jesus to Jerusalem, to the cross, to where he would actually sacrifice himself for us, we come to know the answer. What is the significance of God's loving sacrifice? It's that the curse of sin that was brought into this world by the first Adam, is now confronted and destroyed, broken by the blood of the second Adam, Christ. The suffering that Christ endured on the cross is the security of our salvation. It's the fact that God came through when it mattered. He fulfilled his promise and said, this is how I am going to deliver and to save you made plain on Golgotha. At the cross, despite the appearance of the opposite, the reign of death actually ended. Despite the fact that there hung Christ on the cross, bleeding out, gasping for for breath, the reign of death in creation and over mankind came to an end. And you may not have heard it throughout the reading so far. Perhaps your ears weren't tuned to hear it. But Christ's suffering and death fulfills the song of salvation that God has been singing into the hearts of humanity and into the very stones and soil of creation from the very first time that our human hearts turned away from his word. Choosing to rebel and go after what we wanted instead of what he wanted. Offered to us, begun in the garden. Despite what it appeared to be on this Good Friday, the lyrics were singing loud of God's redemption, not God's defeat. Perhaps you heard in all of the readings so far how many times it said this happened in order to fulfill the scriptures. It's because Jesus didn't come on scene with something new or extraordinary. He came on scene to the cross, followed by the crowds and disciples, hated on by the religious leaders and the Romans in order to say, I have been that song of salvation from very first day. Spoken to you through the prophets, given to you through the law, and now come to you in the flesh. And so the significance of God's loving sacrifice isn't new. It's not foreign to us or to his people. It's been sung from the beginning of time until tonight on Good Friday. And so we turn now to a different song, this time the lyrics of Psalm 31, where we see the song of God's salvation fulfilled by by Christ on the cross. These words were sung generations before Christ was even born, put to music and composed by David, and even sung by God's people on occasion. But tonight we see how they were always pointing us as God's people to the cross and to Christ. Psalm 31 begins with these words in you O Lord I seek refuge don't let me ever be put to shame in your righteousness deliver me. See the people thought that Christ was being shamed on the cross dying like a common criminal and yet the shame of the cross isn't actually the shame of Christ for the cross is the deliverance of God. Because upon that tree hung God's righteousness in human form, hung God's righteousness himself. If you recall, in Luke and Matthew and Mark, it describes two thieves who were hanging on Jesus' left and on his right, and one of them was ashamed. The other was too proud and arrogant to admit that he actually got what he deserved. Instead, he chose to mock Christ, even in his, the hour of his own death, saying, hey, you can save us. Get us down from this cross. But the other thief, ashamed for what he had done, feeling the shame that was being heaped upon Christ, turned to him in faith, and he looked to his righteousness, embodying these words of, Of Psalm 31, not being like the other thief, pulling a Satan in the desert of Jesus' temptation, trying to get Christ to do something he wasn't supposed to do, instead turning to him in humility and in faith, saying, You don't deserve this. We do. But you don't. And Christ, responding with all of his grace and with such great mercy, turned to this man... And said, truly, you'll be with me in paradise today. The shame of the cross was not Christ's shame. Incline your ear to me. The psalmist sings, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge to me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that's been hidden to trap me, for you are my refuge. On the cross, Jesus cries out to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? And yet it's in that very appeal of where are you, God, that we hear the words ring true of Psalm 31, that God is actually turning his ear to his son, the beloved son, with whom he is still well pleased. Yes, Christ feels the absence of the Father and yearns for his presence, but he knows that he will soon be delivered from that net that was laid to ensnare him, to trap him, all for our salvation. That his rescue from the cross and from the grave would be our rescue too. That soon he would find himself in the refuge and safety of the resurrection. Perhaps these words are familiar. Into your hand I commit my spirit, the psalmist writes. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. You hate those who pay regard to idols, but I trust in the Lord. I exalt and rejoice in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have taken heed of my adversity and you haven't delivered me over into the hand of the enemy, but instead you have set my feet in a broad, stable place. The words of Christ shortly before he breathed his last, saying, Into your hands, O Father, I commit my spirit, are the most trusting, faith-filled, faithful words of Christ's heart. For he knows that despite the awful suffering, the excruciating pain that he endures, that he has a God who is faithful, a God who is faithful to him and to each and every one of you, to not only redeem him from death, But redeem us through his death. Jesus knows the Father sees him in his pain. Jesus knows that even in his agony, he can exalt and rejoice. And the steadfast love of a father who does not hand him over to death into the triumph of his enemies, but empowers him to descend into hell, the home of the evil one, the great enemy of God, and declare his victory and say, You thought you won, but I have the power. I am victorious. And here in my death, your rule ends. Be gracious. To me, O Lord, in my distress, my eyes waste away from grief, my body and my soul too. For my life is filled with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of the misery I find myself in and my bones are wasting away. How much more proof do we need that Jesus was fulfilling the song of salvation Even Isaiah spoke of this moment, composed by David, come true in Jesus, that he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. But like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that before his shearer stands silent, he didn't open his mouth. By a perversion of justice, he was taken away. And who could have imagined this future for the Messiah? He would be cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of us, his people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, even though he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Jesus fulfills these words, I am the scorn of my enemies, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances, and those who see me flee from me. They run away. I have passed out of mind like one who is dead. I become a broken vessel, Vessel, for I hear the whispering of many. Terror is around us, and they scheme together against me, and they plot to take my life. Is this not Christ-betrayed? Is this not Christ falsely accused? Is this not Christ unjustly condemned to be executed? Is this not Christ abused while he hangs helpless and abandoned? But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Falsely accused, Christ could have stood up And instead of being silent, he could have said, No, 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 you've got it wrong. I am the king of the Jews. These guys are the ones who should be executed, Pilate. Go ahead and take them away, kill them. Free me, not Barabbas, but instead he quietly accepted the abuse of their lies, the falsehood of their deceit, pointing them always to his true identity as the Messiah. I'm the king. I've said it. The scriptures have said it about me. I am who you say that I am. If only you would believe me. But if you don't, then you will soon see. You will soon bear witness to my deliverance. For it will arrive on the other side of my death. Christ was always awaiting the steadfast love of his Father to come true. To shine upon him, the suffering servant, in just three short days. Do not let me be put to shame, O Lord, for I Call on you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let the dumbfounded go to Sheol. Let the lying lips be stilled. The ones that speak insolence against the righteous with pride and contempt. Or in other words, hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Imagine the sting. Imagine the sting of those sacrificial words for those who stood by, who accused, and who spit. Father, forgive them. Oh, how abundant is your goodness that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you have accomplished for those who take refuge in you, in the sight Of everyone in the shelter of your presence you hide them from all human plans you hold them safely under your shelter from contentious tongues you protect them the murderous plot of the religious leaders from the very moment Jesus came into his public ministry the ones who were unwilling to believe in him and accept him as the promised one of god the messiah that they had been waiting for instead deciding to gang up on jesus and to join with one of his own disciples judas to betray him seemed to have been the win the ones to win Finally, after these three years, to finally get what they want for Jesus to die and for them to ride away into the sunset victorious. But it was God who would have the final say in that final breath of Jesus when he said, it is finished. So blessed be the Lord. For he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was beset as a city under siege. While hanging on the cross, Jesus was besieged, surrounded by crowds, by soldiers, by haters, who instead of falling down to worship him and thank him for his sacrifice, chose to spit on him and to mock him and tell him he was not the one they were waiting for. I had said in my alarm, the psalmist continues, that I am driven far away from your sight. But you hear my supplications. You hear my begging when I cry out to you for help. Is this not what Jesus was fulfilling when he cried out, Ela'i, Ela'i, lama sabachthani, my God, my God. So love the Lord all of you his saints the lord preserves the faithful and abundantly repays but abundantly repays the one who acts with pride be strong and let your heart take courage all of you who wait for the lord for all of you who wait for the lord the significance of god's loving sacrifice is the great scandal of salvation The great scandal of the cross for those who are prideful and act haughtily as the psalmist writes becomes a stumbling block instead of a great sacrifice. It's a stumbling block upon which they trip and fall into the blood-soaked soil beneath Christ's feet, not out of homage, not out of worship, but in order to receive judgment for their arrogance and their pride. But the great scandal of the cross for all of us who wait on the Lord the blessing of salvation. We do not stumble and fall on this night. We do not stumble and fall down before the foot of the cross, but we willingly and gladly bow ourselves in adoration and in worship because in front of us, at the feet of our dying Savior, Nailed to the cross, there hangs our salvation. For we know that death is not the end for him, that he has ended the reign of death with his own death. And in his resurrection, we will be raised by his own pierced hands from the ground upon which we fell through his resurrection into the light of his life. We have waited on the Lord and he has not abandoned us to Sheol, to the grave and to death, but he has rescued us. The Lord has responded. So the significance of God's loving sacrifice, the answer to that question that we have been asking ourselves, the answer that we have been waiting for is that the very blood of Christ Jesus and the nail-pierced feet that we bow before of in worship and adoration, and where we cry out for mercy, a liaison, God actually responds not with vengeance, but with mercy. Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy. The Lord shows you mercy in offering up his son on your behalf. Kyrie eleison, Christ, have mercy. Christ. Has mercy on you as he hangs on the cross enduring the curse of sin and death on your behalf. Kyrie a liaison, Lord, have mercy. The Lord showed you mercy in the bloodied and bruised body of His Son. Tonight, the rain of death ends in defeat as christ himself becomes our death in order to destroy the grip that dead death had on us once and for all forever in the darkness of christ's death therefore just like psalm 31 encourages us just how jesus fulfilled it in the darkness of christ's death be strong and let your heart take courage for on easter morning in just a few days we will be redeemed in the early morning in the light of his triumphant and victorious life amen